This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America in Houston, Texas. Please join us on Sundays at 8.15 and 10.30 a.m. for Holy Communion and visit us on the web at holytrinityrec.org. Please enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I have asked for him from the Lord. This statement from Hannah on the birth of her son Samuel summarizes 1 Samuel chapter 1 and in many ways the entire book of 1 Samuel. Today we begin a journey as a parish for the most part, or for the, for the rest of this year, the most of this year, we will be going through the book of 1 Samuel together in our sermons. This is an important book because it acts as a transitional history of God's people in Israel. For us to remember in terms of God's work in the lives of his people, I think three names are crucial for this book that we'll see throughout the 31 chapters, Samuel, Saul, and David. These are also important, there are also important people that we will see behind these li- the lives of these men, Hannah, Eli, and Jonathan. This book presents us the close to one system of government that God used to govern his people with the period of the judges, and it transitions to a new type of government, the kingdom, as we see with King Saul, and then with the lineage of David at the end, which culminates in the coming of Jesus Christ in the line of David, who is king over all. Let us embark on this journey through this book together in prayer and meditation and openness to God's gracious word to grow anew in him, to hear his word, to learn his word, to bear his fruit, to benefit each other. First, Elkanah, Hannah's husband's question to his wife is important, and I think it summarizes the first eight verses of our lesson today. He said, Hannah, why do you weep? The close to this period in Israel's history, the period of the judges, was indeed, if you think about it, a period of deep weeping. The very end of the book of Judges, and we we went through the book of Judges a couple of years ago, speaks of internal conflict within the people, within the people, within with the tribe of Benjamin and the rest of the nation. Hannah symbolizes this with her weeping over her inability to have children, and the maltreatment she is going, she is undergoing from Elkanah's other wife. Yet deeper as a people. Israel had gone through hundreds of years since entering the promised land with Joshua. Hundreds of years, if you think about it, of failure upon failure to serve and obey God. There was no end in sight. God would raise up a judge to bring the people back to him through repentance and through sometimes physical deliverance. But it was a period marked by mass wavering of God's people between the worship of self and idols and serving self through immorality and rebellion, and then sometimes coming back to God. The times Hannah lived were described best at the end of Judges. Everyone did what was right 
in his own eye. In such an environment, people disregarded each other and only thought of self. Even in the midst of families, this was the attitude, putting self first while treating others with contempt, with hatred, as Hannah was treated. We read that Hannah and Peninnah's husband traveled to the city, to Shiloh, each year to worship at the tabernacle. They would offer sacrifices year by year. And Elkanah would present gifts to his wives. He would always give Hannah a double portion. Due to this favor for Hannah, we read in verses 6 through 7 that the other wife responded by provoking her grievously to irritate her. We, read to take, we need to take a gracious lesson here when interacting with others that are undergoing misfortune. Sometimes we do not even know it when we grievously irritate others through provoking others with our words, even if we intend to be nice. The Job rule of thumb is important here. That things went very well while his three friends were present with him for several days in silence and they kept their mouths shut. And then everything went to trash when they opened their mouths to give advice and try to explain why Job suffered. Often the best recourse is prayerful silence, prayerful listening, and mere presence with one another as we go through our misfortunes. It is one thing to give advice or counsel when asked, but when called upon to listen, it's best, as we see with Job, to listen, to pray. We often do not know what we are capable of doing to others through our words, as occurred to Hannah, causing her to weep, to not eat, to have a sad heart. It's our call, rather, as fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, to love and to pray in deep humility. What do we do, though, when we are subject to both overt and unintended provocations? The call is that of humility, as we read today in our epistle in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. In God's grace, when we're provoked, when we're irritated, the call is to cling to Jesus Christ rather than to seek vengeance. God does not call us to some sort of stoic resolve when we face provocations as Hannah faced. Emotions as people are normal. When channeled toward God in heartfelt supplication, it's most helpful. As verse 8 of our lesson in 1 Samuel records the words of Hannah's husband to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Instead of going with worldly replies to provocations, which would be rage against those that are provoking us, seeking their injury, or even seeking that they would have a sad heart, we are called instead to prepare our hearts for worship, to pray to the Lord, as we saw with Hannah's response. Weeping enables us, if you think about it, to humble ourselves, to get low before God. Not eating enables us to pray, to fast. A sad heart drives us towards God in lowly prayer, as we read of Hannah in our lesson today. The next part of our lesson, verses 9 through 11, contains Hannah's prayer in the house of God. 
It is her godly reply to the provocations that were irritating her. As we read in verse 10 this morning, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Verse 11 contains this specific prayer. It's a prayer, as we read it, that has a promise from Hannah to God, asking for a son. It's a prayer in the midst of a time where the people of God all around did what pleased themselves. They did not serve God. They served self. It was a rare prayer in terms of the fact that it sought God with a genuine heart, pining for his favor and his grace, pining to serve him. She said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Such a prayer in lean times, both spiritually and physically, due to the people's idolatry and the external pressures from outside forces, was a most selfless prayer. Hannah asked to bless the Lord and his people with a son, a son that would be dedicated to the service of Almighty God. She sought the Lord in her pain and her distress. She asked for favor with a son to end the constant abuse from the other wife. In her times of bitterness associated with the travel of the family year by year to Shiloh, to worship, to offer the proper sacrifices, she sought God. It is God's grace alone to do as Hannah did here. It is the natural inclination of all of us as sinful human beings when we hit tough spots in the same circumstances over and over again to try to avoid those circumstances. For Hannah, it certainly would have been Normal in terms of sinfulness just to say, I'm not going to go to Shiloh. Instead, in the midst of the trial, she sought God. She sought worship. As Psalm 92 verse 1 reminds us, our psalm today, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. We often associate giving thanks in times where we feel like doing so emotionally. That's when we feel like giving our all to God, when we want to worship God, when we want to praise God, when we're on emotional highs. But for Hannah here, she worshiped, she prayed, she went to the, to the house of God in the midst of a sad heart. Further, our epistle today in verse 1 states, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In asking for the favor of the Lord to give her this child, she did so sacrificially, with full willingness to give this child to the service of Almighty God. Often when we come in deep supplications to God, we have to be mindful of our tendency to ask for things from a selfish angle rather than from a sacrificial perspective. Our next section of verses 12 through 18 speaks of the high priest Eli, the minister of Almighty God, that observed Hannah and the movement of her mouth as she prayed what we read a moment ago with her in silent prayer, but her lips were moving. While her lips were moving, the high priest Eli thought she was drunk, and he admonished her. 
Hannah answered with this in verses 15 and 16. No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your, you, your servant as a worthless woman. For all along I have been speaking out of great anxiety and vexation. In her circumstances, one normal sinful route to take is to seek solace through getting drunk and other means. Instead, Hannah poured out her very soul to the Lord in his house. The way of this world, the way of the world, the flesh, and the devil is to seek help outside of God with alcohol, with drugs, and so many other things to deal with the type of stress and anxiety that Hannah faced. That's the way of this world. Yet Jesus in his grace and love for us calls us to pour out our souls to him in prayer and in worship. Such as to go contrary to the herd mentality of this world that seeks help through self-gratification. As verse 2 of the epistle today states, do not be conformed to the world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Often in our times of deep anxiety, we will do all we can do to avoid what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect in Jesus Christ. We'll actually run away from it and seek other means to fill our despair. Instead, we find sinful and worldly remedies that only serve to make us want more and more and more, driving us into deeper after hearing what Hannah was really doing, Eli said the following in verse 17, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. Instead of wallowing in self-pity, feeling sorry for herself, Hannah sought God's help both through prayer to him and through speaking to the minister of the Lord. When we go through difficulties, we move from prayers to God to seeking the prayers and the counsels of our fellow brothers and sisters and our pastors. With this, with this peace, this blessing that was speak, spoken over her by Eli, we read this at the end of verse 18. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. In reading these events, it looks as if the taunting Hannah endured occurred over a matter of years. Here, though, she turns to God and the minister of God pronounces peace over her. He blesses her. In our fast-paced world, we need to stop to pray. We need to stop to come to worship, especially if what we face in terms of adversities are recurring. We need to stop, pray, and seek the peaceful blessings of our fellow Christians, the ministers of the gospel. Sometimes all that is called for in such is presence and listening with each other in the love of Christ to give each other his simple peace. For the sake of time, we'll cover the fourth point of the next section next week, the last part of 1 Samuel chapter 1. May we learn the lessons of God's grace, of his loving grace, from the trials that Hannah went through in trusting God over the means May we be a people that seek him when in adversity instead of the enticements of this world that offer us 
other means that dull our senses, that callous our hearts, to be colder and colder to each other and to God. May we seek his peace as we do at this moment with our worship, through our loving presence with each other and with him, to gather around his table and his blessings. Amen.